Well, good morning. Welcome to Fur Road. We are so glad you've joined us here. If you happen to be new here, uh, my name is Dan Tony. I'm the senior minister here at Fur Road. Uh, we're starting a, a short three-week series today called What Would Jesus Undo? And the idea for this came from Life Church in Oklahoma City. I really appreciate that church. They um, make their resources available to any churches uh, for free. And uh, they're the church that developed the Bible app for free that a lot of you have on your phone. So, uh, neat church. But you guys remember the What Would Jesus Do movement time, right? Remember that 15 years ago, 20 years ago? And you had the bracelets, a lot of you. Maybe you had t-shirts or other stuff. And, and uh, let me kind of remind you where that came from, um, that What Would Jesus Do? A, a man named Charles Sheldon, he wrote a book called In His Steps, actually uh, wrote that book in 1896, and you know most books do not stand the test of time like that. Um, very few books that are written today will we still be talking about in 100 years. But but this book has, and it's sold over 30 million copies. But um, in the book, Sheldon basically talked about it was a small town setting, and the people in that town started to kind of take the words of Jesus and, and, and uh, every situation, their daily situation, say, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? And uh, so they just tried to live their lives that way. So not a bad idea, really, right? To ask that question, what would Jesus do? Um, and so what we're going to do in this message series is kind of ask a question from the opposite perspective of that. Not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo? Okay, what are some things that, that as we look at the words of Jesus in the Bible that kind of really maybe broke his heart, and he'd like to undo or have us undo them. And so today we're, we're going to be talking about specifically the topic of indifference, okay? Jesus would like to undo the spiritual indifference that seems to creep into the lives of, of many believers. And so specifically, uh, we're going to be looking at one of the seven churches that Jesus wrote letters to in the book of Revelation and through the Apostle John. And the last of these letters was written to a church in the city of Laodicea. And this is a church that one time had been very healthy. It was on fire for Christ. And Paul mentioned them specifically when he uh, wrote his letter um, to the church in Colossae. And, and this was actually not too far from Laodicea. And so he wanted to greet his friends there at, at that church. And he wanted them to pass the letter on to them when they were done with it. And so... Uh, it was a good church early on. Um, that would have been about the year 60, A.D. 60. And so you fast forward about 35 years and um, till the, about 95, and the picture isn't so great for this church in Laodicea. Okay, uh, In the first century, this city was a very wealthy city. And there were several things that, that made them wealthy. Um, but we're going to see that that three of these things are mentioned here in this passage. Um, first of all, they were a major banking center. So a lot of money, a lot of gold went through the town, passed through the city. Um, they were also well known for the clothes they made uh, or the cloth that they would sell. Um, there was this glossy black wool um, that was grown, came from the sheep that were only in that area. And, and so there's something special about this that, that made people really want it. So it was in high demand, and so they made a lot of money from that. 
And then there was this eye salve this, that people would put on their eyes, and it was supposed to have these healing effects, and a lot of people thought that this would fix problems with their eyes. And so they had the recipe for this, and nobody else knew this, and, and so they made a lot of money from that. And so those were three things. Um, in fact, this city was so wealthy uh, that in the year 62, they had a major earthquake and destroyed a lot of the city, and Rome offered to come in and, and help them rebuild the city. And they said, no, we got this. We'll take care of it. Okay, and so can you imagine after the, the Joplin tornado, if we told the government, no, we, we got it. We'll, uh, don't, we don't want your money. Um, you know, we probably would still a lot of things wouldn't be done that, that are done. But, um, but they were a city that said, no, we, we took care of this. And, and they, they built stadiums and theaters and, and lavish public baths, and so very, um, they became pretty materialistic uh, as a city. And so Laodicea, its location, it was right in the middle between the city of Colossae and Hierapolis, okay? Um, not too far from each one. And here's what, why that is important. Hierapolis was known for its hot springs, okay? It had these springs you could go walk through, um, you could uh, you know, sit in them, take a bath in them or whatever, and they were thought to have medicinal value, and so you had these hot springs there. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Colossae had really these really cold springs, and it was very refreshing, cold water, really good to drink, um, but Laodicea didn't really have a good source of water, and, and so they, they had a water problem, and, and this is kind of amazing to me but at that time, but they came up with a way to pipe water from each city, one from the hot springs, one from the cold springs. The problem is that by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was just kind of meh. It, it was kind of dirty and lukewarm and just wasn't very good water. And so, you know, we tend to like things either hot or cold, don't we? You like your hot drinks hot, your cold drinks cold. Um, and so I, I definitely like ice in my drinks. And, and uh, Holly grew up in Taiwan where ice wasn't such a big deal, especially at that time. And so she's fine drinking water without ice, just lukewarm water. Sometimes she'll even drink warm water. I'm thinking, no way. Um, so how about you guys? Are, in the, are you ice people? You like ice in your drinks? Yeah, most of you. Are, some of you, you don't really want ice in your drinks? Okay, you're weird. Okay, <laughs> I knew it. You should have lived in Laodicea. You could have drank their water there. Yeah, there's always a few in every crowd. So, just kidding. I'm kind of. Um, so, with that kind of as, as the background of our passage, let's read it. It's Revelation 3, 14 through 22. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish you are either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so with what I told you about with the the background of this passage, I think it makes a little more sense as to what Jesus was talking about. Overall, it's not a good picture painted by Jesus. With the other six churches that he wrote letters to, he always had something positive to say. It's kind of, well, you're doing pretty good in this area, um, but in this area you really need some work. Okay, not so with this one. Okay, he's not happy with them. It, It was time for them to wake up. Now, when I I used to read this passage, I always thought, why would God rather that people have no faith um, rather than, you know, like lukewarm faith? And and so now as I've kind of studied this and read about it, I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's referring to the water from the surrounding towns that either hot or cold can be a good thing. Okay, Um, and so they're... They're both referring to a faith that was alive and and vibrant. Uh, But lukewarm water isn't good. It's a faith faith that's just basically indifferent. And Jesus said, no, man, I'm going to spit that out. And so what happened was, uh, I I think, the prosperity of the city uh, impacted the faith of Christians. And it made them kind of lose their passion for God. And I think we see that in America uh, so often. And so by this time, they were just kind of going through the motions. They had become indifferent for what Jesus had done for them. And and Jesus is saying that, you know, the gold, this, all this wealth, it doesn't do anything for you in regards to the kingdom. In fact, if anything, it makes you poor spiritually. And and they had nice clothes to to wear, but, but in the passage it says they're naked spiritually. And they they had this special eye salve that, that, that helped People see better, but they were blind before God. And so this was a big deal. And as a result of this materialism and, and indifference, it says that he was about to, to spit them out of his mouth. And, and really, that's a nice way of putting it. The, the Greek word here um, literally means to violently vomit them out of his mouth. Okay? Are any of you violent vomiters? <laughs> violent vomiters? Um, you know, when you... You throw up, you really throw up, okay? I, I'm, I'm that way. Yeah, it's not a pretty sight, okay? Um, I won't talk any more about it, but, uh, yeah, just want to kind of paint that picture for you. <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I think if, if, if there's one letter out of the seven letters that Jesus wrote, through John to those churches that would describe the American church best, it's probably this one. I think indifference is a huge thing in much of American Christianity, and it doesn't please God. And so we need to make sure that individually we haven't kind of slipped into that, and and as a church that we don't fall into it. And so uh, I want to start by giving kind of two causes of spiritual indifference. These are on the back of your bulletins if you want to follow along. But first of all, self-sufficiency. Okay, most people wouldn't come right out and say this, but their actions say it. I, I don't really need God because I, really I have everything I need. 
already. Okay, I, I have my Starbucks coffee and my iPhone to, to look at every two minutes, and, and I have my Amazon Prime so I can get whatever I want in two days, right? And I have my Netflix, and, and you know, life is pretty good overall. And, and some of you might say, well, that's, that's not me. I mean, I struggle to, to even pay the, the bills each month, and I feel pretty poor. But most of the people that say that, they, they have all the food that they need to eat. They, they have clothing. They have a vehicle or two. Um, usually have a smartphone. Probably have cable TV. And you kind of go down the list, and, and, and we feel like we're poor. But you, you know what? Compared to the rest of the world, we are so wealthy. Okay, that, I mean, the, the numbers that, of the, that they live on, so many people, millions of people are just staggering. And so compared to most of the world, we have everything we need. And so verse 17 again says, You say I am rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and, and naked. Okay, Jesus isn't mincing words here. He, he told the church in Laodicea that even though they were physically wealthy, they were spiritually bankrupt. The, their lives were, were full of stuff, but they were empty of meaning. And they had lost their passion and excitement for Jesus. Second main cause of spiritual indifference are the distractions of the world. Okay, the truth is that, that we are just distracted. We just are by the things of the world. And, and we just get sucked into everything going on around us and all, all the, the busyness of life. And it just tears us away from Jesus. And there are places to be and, and kids practices to go to and you have to get the oil changed in your car, and there's laundry to do, and, and uh, you know, selfies to take along the way that make everything look good, though, right? Okay? All right. Come on, kids. Stop yelling and, and fighting with each other. And the, Wait. Hold on. Smile for the selfie. Ah. Life is good. Love life. And then right after, okay, now shut up, kids. <laughs> you know, we paint this picture that everything's perfect, and it's not. Um. Jesus told the parable of a farmer and, and he was scattering seeds in, in different places and, and you know this parable and there, there's different kind of soils and uh, some of the seed fell among soil with thorns and it started to take root but, but look what happened in Mark 4.19 but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the world choke the word making it unfruitful Okay, let's, let's, let's be honest. Some of you, that's, that's your story right now. At some point you were on fire for Christ and, and you were excited and, and, and somewhere along the way life started choking out that fire and, and desire to, to wholeheartedly follow Him. Maybe it was just getting married to the wrong person. I don't know. Or sickness or, or a crisis or tragedy or, or just plain busyness or or maybe just some laziness is in there too. But, but whatever it is, you've, you've lost that fire. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are a whole lot of people who are just pretty content to live with just a little bit of Jesus in their lives. Just enough to kind of make you feel okay about yourself. You know, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. But not enough to, to truly change your life. And so, so what would Jesus undo? He would undo lukewarm indifference. You know, how, how do you 
think he feels when we just kind of go through the motions in our faith. You know, when my wife Holly and my daughter Olivia, they go shopping, they like to come home and, and kind of show me the things that they've got. They're, they're, they're good deals and, and uh, you know, try it on. And, and, and I've learned over the years that I, I need to act pretty excited about this. Like, <laughs> the... The wrong reaction is, oh, man, yeah. how much did that cost? You know, so that, that doesn't go well. So I'm, I'm trying to do better at being excited for them because they're excited uh, about it. Um, and on the other side, I've taken a whole lot of selfies over the years of, of nice bass that I've caught. And so there, here's an example of one. And, and so uh, I show these to Holly, and, and she basically says that that looks like all the other ones that you show me okay how is that different and I'm like oh man this it, it's it's different this is big this is whatever and so she does a good job of, of saying oh good job hon that uh, so proud of you yeah yeah so uh we, we, you know we try to be excited for each other in, in a life you do that with your family the people you love are excited about things you, you try to be excited about them as well but but how do you think jesus feels when we're basically act like you know jesus died for my sins and and you know it, it's okay yeah i'm glad about that but it's not really going to change my life that much Man, it should get us going every time we think about it. I can't believe what Jesus did for me. Now I want to live for him. I want to follow him. I want to serve him. Man, it's like we're going through the motions. So I want to briefly go through five different things that can kind of lead us to lukewarm indifference. Some things that we just kind of need to keep an eye on, to watch out for. First of all, trying to impress people instead of living for God. Okay, this is, this is even more so when we're younger, I think. But some people never really get over this. Do I fit in? Do I have a lot of friends? Do people like me? Second um, Timothy 3 talked about how in the end times there will be people who are lovers of themselves. Um, but I love how John the Baptist, he, w- he would say, I-, I must become less, he must become greater. And it's it's not about trying to impress other people. It's about just fully living for God. Okay, if we're if we're always concerned about what people think about us, and you know, I, I don't think we're ever going to be fully able to please God, plain and simple. Because being a fully devoted follower of Christ isn't isn't always going to be the popular thing. It's just not. And then watch out for rationalization of sin. Hey, this is a huge one. And we, we become experts at rationalizing sin. We, we justify our actions and, and make them seem not that bad. Okay, It's easy to become an expert at this. And we compare our sins to others and think, you know, I'm glad I don't do the, the things I do. they do. Yeah, I guess I'm not too bad after all. And, and Satan's just back and thinks, ah, that's awesome. That's right, that's right where I want him. I'm telling you people, unchecked sin brings you down into indifference towards God. And watch out for believing in Jesus, but rarely talking about Him. Okay, we tend to talk about the things that are most important to us. We, we have no problems talking about politics 
or, or sports or, or the weather or, or our kids or, or our jobs. But when it comes to Jesus, we, we don't want to offend anybody or make anyone uncomfortable. And in reality, what we're saying is he's just not that important to us to talk about him. But if you carry this out to its conclusion, you have to be willing to say that if you're never willing to talk about Jesus, either you don't believe that there is a very real place called hell where there is separation from God for all eternity, for those who don't know him, or you just don't care that other people are going there. That's not that big a deal. It is a big deal, okay? The Bible teaches it is a big deal. Watch out about only turning to God when you really need Him. Okay, Instead of a, a daily relationship with Him, so many people seek Him only when we feel like we really need Him. Okay, that I'm having a bad day. Help me, Jesus. And so it's like a, this toolbox, and so we have all these things that can help us, and oh, one of them's Jesus, so I'm going to pull Him out and, and start using Him uh, and you know, to fix this problem. And then when it's fixed, then, then you can just put Him back in the toolbox and Put him away till later when you need him. And watch out for not being much different than the world. Okay, the honest truth is that most Christians don't really stand apart from the rest of the world. We, we tend to watch the, the same movies. We pretty much have the same morals. We, we raise kids the same way the, with the same priorities. We, we get divorced just as often. We just don't stand out. Does everyone around you know that you're a Christian? I mean, they should be able to tell. Okay, there's something different about this person. What is it? Okay, let's turn the page. What can we do to begin to light or, or to relight the, the spiritual fire in our lives and in order to undo this spiritual indifference? There's a, a lot of different survival shows on TV, and I, I like to watch these shows because I'm like, oh, man, they're so cool. And one of the things I always think is cool is they can start a fire in like 48 different ways, right? They just like chewing gum in a gum wrapper and they shine it off with, I don't know, what, and pretty soon a fire's going. And I'm thinking, man, that's awesome. Um, but what, one thing they always have to do is they try to get a little ember going, right? And then they get that ember going, then they kind of blow on it and, and uh, the smoke starts coming up and, and before too long that fire starts to to take place and and then it it turns into a big big flame a big fire and it, and i think about that and i think when, when i'm lighting a fire i need the lots of lighter fluid and lighters and and everything else or it's not happening okay it's, uh i'm not a very good boy scout i guess i don't know but Spiritually speaking, we need to kind of get those embers burning again and, and, and kind of fan them into flames. And so let's talk about undoing spiritual indifference. A couple things. Do at least one thing every day to stretch your faith. Okay? I think one of the problems with American Christianity is that is we get kind of bored in our faith. Hey, we're just not doing much. But, but I think it makes a huge difference if, if we engage and stretch our faith. So, so do some hard things and, and do something every day to engage your faith. Have a conversation 
with someone about Jesus. Even if you're fumbling over your words, just have it. Stand up for something, even though you, you might be mocked. Reach out to someone who God puts on your heart or, or do something for someone in need. One of the things that, that, that inspires me is to read about others who, who are doing great things in their faith or they have done things. And I, I read a book this week called She is Mine. And it was about this uh, orphan after the Korean War. And uh, she was abandoned by her mom. The, the dad was an American soldier. And the, the mo- mom abandoned her when she was four years old. And it was just kind of the story of her living on her own for a couple years out in the Korean hillside. And just the amazing story of God providing for her. And uh, when people tried to kill her, somehow God kept her alive. And, the, and then the, eventually, finally, she made it to this this orphanage, and, and she ended up being adopted by American missionaries and, and uh, uh, ended up becoming a Christian, and now she shares her, her testimony with people all over the world. And, and it just got me going. I'm like, man, that's awesome. God is, can do these kind of things. So, so read about it. Um, pray big prayers. Okay, we, we just had a series recently about that. Of how we, we need to pray big prayers, not just little wimpy prayers. Go on a mission trip or, or volunteer at a, a local ministry. Make a hard phone call that you need to make. Uh, ask someone to forgive you. Talk to someone you haven't talked to in a long time. But just do something every day to engage your faith. Of, of course, be reading God's Word and, and spending time in God's Word. But I think that it's going to help relight that fire if you're doing something. And then the second one is very similar to the first one. It's in, invite Jesus to be a part of your daily life. Okay, a, an indifferent Christian doesn't really bring Jesus along daily. Let me read verse 20 again at the end of our passage. It's a very familiar verse, but maybe in the, not the context you thought it was. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Okay, this this verse is usually talked about in an evangelistic manner, okay? Uh, in other words, for, for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and, and we, we say that Jesus is there waiting for them, knocking on the door. And, and that is true. He is waiting for anybody. But in the context of this passage, Jesus is actually talking to the church, right? He's talking to people who are already Christians. And they've kind of put Jesus outside the door. And he's saying, hey, here I am. Let, let me back in and, and we'll, we'll go out to eat together. Well, he's saying, you guys, as a, as a church, Laodicea, you've lost your zeal for the for following me but but you can turn things around it's not too late i'm waiting for you i'm not very happy with you right now but this let this be your wake-up call come on verse 19 so the verse right before the one i just read uh, from the new living translation says it this way i correct and discipline everyone i love so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Okay, God, He loves us so much, but, 
but he expects us to truly follow him. And, and when that fire is truly going again, things change, and, and, and you're excited about serving at church instead of being obligated, and, and you're excited about giving back to God. And, and instead of rationalizing your, your sin, you're confessing your sin and, and living for him, and you start walking with God instead of just turning to him when you need him. And all these things start to fall in place, and you get bolder in your faith, and you don't worry so much about what people are thinking about you, and you start living for what lasts rather than living for temporary things. And it's a more exciting life. It really is. What would Jesus undo? He'd undo spiritual indifference. And so is he knocking at your door right now just waiting to come in? Will you let him come in? Let's get excited about living for and, and, and following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I know there's times in my life where I've slipped into this just kind of meh kind of attitude of lo- losing my excitement. And, and I, I uh, thank you that through those times, you've always been there just saying, hey, come on, I'm, I'm knocking, I'm waiting, let me back in. And I pray if, for those who might be dealing with that right now, that you'll give them the the, the excitement to to rekindle that fire and there may be somebody here who needs to kind of get that fire going for the very first time and and i pray that we will be a church family a church body that's on fire for serving you we love you so much in your name we pray amen